Welcome to the GDPR Weekly Show, one of the top five GDPR podcasts worldwide. Here is what's coming up in this week's episode. Welcome to episode 205 of the GDPR Weekly Show, the number one GDPR podcast worldwide. We begin this week with news that the ICO has reprimanded the UK government over its use of WhatsApp and private email accounts. Milan news that TikTok is postponing its privacy policy update after the Italian Data Protection Authority intervened. Milan news that Clearview AI has been fined 20 million euros by the Greek Data Protection Authority and ordered to cease operations in Greece. Milan travelled to Australia where there is news of a data breach in the hotel quarantine scheme in Victoria. And then we travelled to Melbourne in Australia where Deakin University has had a data breach. Milan travelled to Ontario in Canada where Windsor University is at a data breach, and then to Richmond in Virginia in the USA, where VCU Health has had a data breach. We then travel to China, where Alibaba has begun investigations into the Shanghai Police data breach, which we first brought you news of in last week's episode of the Weekly Show. We then return to Brussels, where the EDPB has published its opinion on the feasibility of a digital euro, and then remaining in Belgium, the Belgian DPA has ruled that the right of access and the right of correction under GDPR are not absolute. So there's always a wide range of articles for you this week in the GDPR Week Show. We hope you find the information in the articles useful and informative. If you have any feedback for us, please do email us at feedback at gdprweeklyshow.com. Wish there was a simple guide to GDPR? Well, now there is. GDPR Made Simple. Available now on Amazon. The ICO, the UK Data Regulator, has called for a government review into the use of private correspondence channels such as WhatsApp and personal email for state business. The Information Commissioner's Office reprimanded the Department of Health and Social Care for sharing official information via WhatsApp texts and private email accounts, particularly during the COVID-19 pandemic. The watchdog said that extensive use of such channels within the department represents risks to accountability and transparency within the government and that the department lacked the appropriate organisational or technical controls to ensure risks were properly managed. Evidence more widely available in the public domain also suggests this practice is commonly seen across much of the rest of the government and predates the pandemic, the ICO said. The reprimand issues to the department has been made under the UK's GDPR and requires the department to improve its processes and procedures around the handling of personal information via private communication systems. The previous information to Elizabeth Denham launched the investigation in July last year with concerns that the then House Secretary Hancock and his deputy James Bethel had extensively used private methods of communication for government business. The ICS report found that official information had been shared via 29 WhatsApp accounts, 17 private text accounts, 8 private email accounts and one LinkedIn messaging service. The current information commissioner, John Edwards, said, I understand the value of instant communication that something like WhatsApp would bring, particularly during the pandemic where officials were forced to make quick decisions and work to meet varying demands. However, the price of using these methods, although not against the law, must not result in a lack of transparency and inadequate data security. In response, the government spokesperson said the ICO report be considered carefully, however they also pointed out the report makes clear that the correspondence channels used by ministers and the department were lawful. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. TikTok on Tuesday this week agreed to pause a controversial privacy policy update that could have allowed it to serve targeted ads based on user activity on the social video platform without the user's permission to do so. 
reversal comes a day after the Italian Data Protection Authority warned the company against the change, citing violations of data protection laws. The personal data stored in users' devices may not be used for profile data and send personalised ads without explicit consent, the Italian Data Protection Authority said. The formal warning was in response to a privacy policy revision that noted the service had historically asked users' consent to their on-TikTok activity and off-TikTok activity to serve personalised ads and that therefore intends to stop asking users for their permission to profile their behaviour and process personal data. From 13th of July 2022, TikTok will rely on legitimate interests as a legal basis to use on a TikTok activity to personalise the ads of users who are 18 or over, TikTok said in a notice in the changes. The update to personalised advertising settings covers users who reside in the European Economic Area, the EEA, the UK and Switzerland. The Italian Data Protection Authority, which said it launched a fact-finding exercise, noted that proposed policy modifications are incompatible with the Italian Personal Data Protection Law as well as the EU Privacy Directive, which regulates Twitter usage, email marketing, data minimisation and other aspects of data privacy by mandating a user's consent before processing such information. Both legal instruments set out explicitly that a data subject's consent is the only legal basis for the storage of information or the gain of access to information already stored in the terminal equipment of a subscriber or user, the watchdog said. It further added that the processing data on the basis of legitimate interest would be in conflict with the current regulatory framework, at least with regard to information stored in users' devices, and would entail all the relevant consequences also in terms of correctives and fines. If we receive any further update from TikTok, we will of course bring it to you in the next verbal episode of GDPR Weekly Show. Clearview has been hit with another sanction for breaching GDPR. The Greek-based Hellenic Data Protection Authority has fined the controversial facial recognition firm €20 million Euros and banned it from selecting and processing personal data of people in Greece. It has also ordered it to delete any data on Greeks that it has already collected. Since last year, data protection authorities in the UK, Italy and France have also issued similar decisions sanctioning Clearview, effectively freezing its ability to sell its services in their markets since any local customers will be putting themselves at risk of being fined. Clearview gained notoriety for scraping selfies off the internet to build an algorithmic identity matching commercial service aimed at law enforcement agencies and others, including private sector entities. Last year, privacy regulators in Canada and Australia also ordered Clearview to cease operation. More recently, in May this year, Clearview agreed to a major restriction on its service domestically inside the USA, in exchange for settling a 2020 lawsuit from the American Civil Liberties Union, which is accused of breaking state law in Illinois that bans the use of the individual's biometric data without consent. In its 23-page decision, the Hellenic DPA said clearly had breached the legality and transparency principle of GDPR, finding violations of Article 5, Paragraph 1, Subparagraph A, Article 6 and Article 9, as well as breaches of obligations under Articles 12, 14, 15 and 27. The DPA also suggested the fine sends a clear message to law enforcement authorities working with companies of this kind that such practices are illegal and grossly violate the rights of data subjects. Sweden's Data Protection Authority fined the local police authority €250,000 for unlawful use of Clearview. It said breached the company's Criminal Data Act last year. In a statement attributed to its founder and CEO, Hometon That, Clearview said, Clearview AI does not have a place of business in Greece or the EU. It does not have any customers in Greece or the EU and does not undertake any activities which otherwise mean it's subject to GDPR. Here in the UK, the ICO said we've received notification that Clearview AI has appealed. Clearview AI are not required to comply with the enforcement notice or payment penalty notice until the appeal is determined, 
We will not be commenting further on this case whilst the legal process is ongoing. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com. To Australia now, and documents obtained by the Victorian Liberals and Nationals under freedom of information laws reveal a significant privacy breach within Daniel Andrews Hotel quarantine programme. In January 2021, personal data relating to travellers and staff, including names, contact numbers, dates of birth, addresses and passport information, was exposed following a privacy breach. The incident occurred over a four-day period when the email address of a seconded staff member from the Victorian Curriculum and Assessment Authority were accessed via cyber intruders. Only travellers who had passport details exposed were informed of the breach with the Department of Health and Human Services declining to inform other travellers and staff potentially exposed to the breach. Furthermore, as part of the breach, fake invoices were sent to a number of schools and data relating to an unknown number of Victorian students was also exposed. This significant data breach came months after systemic failures with Daniel Andrews' hotel quarantine programme caused COVID-19 to spread into the community, leading to over 800 deaths and contributing to the world's longest lockdown. Shadow Minister for Health, George Crozier, said Victorians have been kept in the dark once again over the failings within Daniel Andrews' hotel quarantine programme. Yet again, Daniel Andrews has been caught out covering his tracks on another failure, Ms Crozier said. This is a serious incident that has put students, travellers and staff at risk. Victorians deserve straight answers straight away. Why was this daily breach kept quiet and how many travellers, staff and students have been exposed? Daniel Andrews will never tell the truth over his Covid failures. Only a massive drive, Liberals and National Government will hold a Royal Commission to avoid repeating the devastating mistakes of the past. Wish there was a simple guide to GDPR? Well, now there is. GDPR made simple. Available now on Amazon. Remain in Australia and to Melbourne now, where Deakin University suffered a daily breach that affected nearly 47,000 current and past students, but the attacker carrying out a smishing attempt as well. The university became aware of an incident on Sunday the 10th of July in which the staff members used the name and password were hacked by an unauthorised person to access information held by a third-party provider. The university was using the third party to forward messages prepared by the university to students via SMS. The information accessed by the attacker was then used to send an SMS pretending to be from Dean University to 9,997 students. The smish was a parcel delivery scam to name the link that went clicked on to users to a web form asking for additional information, including credit card details. Additionally, the attacker was able to download the contact details of 46,980 current and past Dean students. The details included students' names, mobile numbers, university email addresses, and special comments which included recent exam results. Deakin sincerely apologises to those impacted by this incident and wants to assure the Deakin community that it's conducting a thorough investigation to prevent the similar incident from occurring again. Deakin said it took immediate action to stop any further SMS sent to students and the investigation into the data breach was launched. The university said it would report the breach and be guided by the Office of the Victorian Information Commissioner. It will also work with the third party provider to ensure security protocols are enhanced to prevent any recurrence of the breach. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. To Ontario in Canada now, and the University of Windsor confirms it's restored the vast majority of its systems following a cybersecurity breach that temporarily shut down its website last month. On June 22nd, Windsor University issued a notice that its website and other services were temporarily unavailable. On Thursday, a spokesperson said, that a full investigation is underway with a team of external cybersecurity experts to better understand what happened. Upon discovery of the incident, steps were immediately taken to secure our systems, 
and mitigate the impact to our data and operations, said spokesperson René Trombley. We are committed to data safety and are taking steps to ensure the enhanced security and reliability of our system in the future. Spokesperson did not answer questions about what appeared to have caused the breach or if police were called to investigate. The university posted that payroll systems were affected, a large contingency plan was put in place so staff were paid on time. To America now and to Richmond in Virginia where VCU Health has revealed to patients that its systems have had a massive data breach. The issue has since been resolved but the exposed medical records of nearly 4,500 organ donors and transplant recipients over 16 years. In total, 4,441 patients were potentially impacted. VCU House investigation determined that the information was accessible to these patients as early as January 4, 2006. This data breach was not a public leak of records, but it did allow organ owners or transplant recipients with patient portal access to see each other's private information. They would have been able to potentially access names, social security numbers, medical records, lab results and more. VCU House said it had not found any evidence to suggest that any of the information was used. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com To China now, and Chinese authorities have reportedly called in Alibaba to allow executives for talks over the police database data breach that emerged at the start of July, which we brought you details of in last week's episode of the Weekly Show. Alibaba is carrying out an investigation of its own into how the data breach of over a billion people happened. The breach, one of the largest in history, saw the data taken from a Shanghai police database and was put online for sale at around $200,000. Cybersecurity researchers said that a dashboard for managing the database had been left open without a password for over a year. Researchers concluded it was hosted on Alibaba's cloud platform, which was also confirmed by company employees. After the anonymous attacker posted an advertisement selling the data with a sample list of information on a cybercrime forum, Senior Alibaba managers gathered to come up with an emergency response on the 1st of July. The executives reportedly called in for the meetings with Shanghai authorities, including Shen Shuzhong, Alibaba Cloud Vice President, who had been hired recently to lead the cloud unit's digital public security business. Since the data breach was discovered, engineers at the company have temporarily disabled access to the database and have started inspecting related code. However, the reasons for the breach have been determined. It's understood that the stolen data had been stored on Alibaba's cloud using technology that was several years out of date. It was missing an up-to-date security certificate for the company last deployment one in September 2017, which was never reviewed even though it expired a year later. The data is believed to contain personal information belonging to Chinese citizens, including names, government ID numbers, phone numbers and records of crimes with the police. Since the breach, Alibaba Cloud has ordered staff to review the details like the database architecture and regulations in contracts with key clients, put an emphasis on those with dedicated private cloud resources, including government agencies and financial institutions. If we get any further update on this from Alibaba, we will of course bring it to you in the next verbal episode of GDPR Weekly Show. Wish there was a simple guide to GDPR? Well, now there is. GDPR Made Simple. Available now on Amazon. To Brussels now, and on the 30th of June 2022, the EDPB, the European Data Protection Board, published documents adopted during its 66th plenary session. One of the most interesting ones, perhaps, was its response to the European Commission's consultation on a digital euro. In its response, the targeted consultation of the European Commission exploring the possibility of issuing a digital euro and related regulatory implications, the EDPB reiterated that establishing a high level of privacy and data protection would be key for a digital euro to succeed. DDPB noted high risks to the rights and freedoms of individuals and highlighted the distinction between anonymous use of the digital euro and situations where a natural person would be identified or identifiable. 
a high level of pseudonization would be necessary for all modalities of digital euro in order to protect individuals' rights to privacy and the protection of personal data. In implementing digital euro, GDPB took the view that for transactions below a certain threshold, offering the possibility of carrying out offline transactions in an untraceable form would be necessary in order to preserve individuals' rights. Introducing fees thresholds or holding limits for digital euro accounts would also trigger additional data selection and controls with a negative impact on the privacy of individuals. The lesson further highlighted the importance of minimising situations when individuals would need to identify themselves on a payment, suggesting that any identification on top of compulsory identification during onboarding should be prohibited. To avoid digital exclusion, the EDPB also stressed the importance of enabling the use of the digital euro on multiple devices, for example including cards and other devices and not just smartphones. The risk of data concentration, for example cyber security risks, were also noted as a point of concern, given the centralised location of data processing foreseen under the euro provided through the ECB. For international retail transactions, the EDPB also stressed the need to comply with Chapter 5 of GDPR on international transfers, along with the points addressed in the SREMS 2 case. So overall, a very cautious outlook on the principle of a digital euro from the EDPB. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Remaining in Belgium, and on the 6th of July 2022, the Belgian Data Protection Authority, the BDPA, has issued a reminder of the limits attached to the rights of access and rights of retrification of medical records. This decision also puts into perspective that a medical record is not primarily a selection of personal data, it is above all the physician's work tool. To give a bit of background, the subject matter of the complaint concerns a medical report drawn up in connection with the course of treatment followed by the plaintiff with the defendant. The treating psychologist refused to provide the plaintiff with a copy of the final report. As a result, the plaintiff filed a complaint to the BDPA alleging that he or she was provided with an incomplete answer because his or her rights to full access to the medical report was not granted or at least was very limited. He or she also indicated that he or she has exercised his or her right of access under the regulation EU 2679 GDPR. Since in his or her opinion this right offers a broader protection than the right of access under Article 9 Paragraph 2 of the Belgian Law 22nd of August 2002 concerning the rights of the patient. In addition, the plaintiff stated that he or she had the right to be involved in the consultation and decision-making process of such a report and the right to inspect, correct and or supplement, if necessary, delete or revoke such a report from all parties involved. The BDPA ultimately decided to dismiss the complaint for the following reasons. Regarding the right of access, the BDPA found that the right of access in the patient's rights law is indeed more limited than the right of access under GDPR. However, this right under the patient's rights law is in accordance with GDPR since the latter provides for the possibility to restrict the right of access in a European or national regulation that meets the conditions referred to in Article 23 of GDPR to protect the data subject or the rights and freedoms of others. Essentially, of course, because both the patient and the healthcare professional must be protected. The BDPA then records that the right to information and access under GDPR and the right of access under the patient's rights law are not absolute. The limitation in the patient's rights law to assign the right to information and inspection is related to the fact that the information is not communicated and access is not granted to the patient if this would cause evidently serious harm to the patient's health. Ultimately, the plaintiff was granted access but was denied access to the report in question. As pointed out by the BDPA, it is not the BDPA's role to intervene in the assessment of a treating psychologist to provide or not provide a medical report to a patient. The HCP needs to judge this in the interest of the patient. In this case, the healthcare professional refused to provide the patient with the medical report. 
The right of access was thus limited under the patient's rights law, with a view to protect the patient in accordance with Article 23, Paragraph 1, Subparagraph I of GDPR. This is especially confirmed in Article 9 of the patient's rights law. The healthcare professional is also protected by the limitation of the right of inspection, since the healthcare professional must be free to record his diagnosis and findings in the medical report. With regard to the plaintiff's intention to exercise his or her right of rectification in respect of allegedly erroneous assumptions and or diagnosis, based on substantive assertions that were partly erroneous, the BDPA recalled that such a right is exercised in relation to a medical diagnosis made by the controller and of which the plaintiff is the object. In other words, the exercise of this right would be aimed at correcting the medical diagnosis and final report. The BDPA considered that such a request was outside the scope of this right. Indeed, such a right is not intended to be able to challenge actual diagnosis. That right could only be exercised in situations where, for example, mistakes have occurred in the file, which is of incorrect processing of personal data. Once again, the BDPA recalled that the degree of accuracy of the medical diagnosis could not be assessed by the BDPA, which means it's therefore unable to order the controller to rectify the medical diagnosis. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com. We hope that you've enjoyed this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show and that you found the information useful and informative. We do really appreciate your feedback, so please do email us at feedback at gdprweeklyshow.com with any comments you might have about the articles we've raised this week or indeed any suggestions you might have for improvements to the show. The GDPR Weekly Show is a insurance production. Please be advised that any advice given during the show is general in nature and should not be taken as specific legal advice. You should always seek legal advice according to your own specific circumstances. Until next time, bye-bye.